Hi everyone and welcome to episode 37 of the SVOPA podcast and the spring CD for 2016. I've got Joe in the studio today, um, so good to speak to you Joe. It's good to speak to you too Michael. And Joe's going to be talking later as well about the last five months since his kidney operation, so that's an interview we did earlier which we're going to put on this CD as well which is great, so um, thanks for that Joe. That's no problem. So, um, I mean, since last year, you've had your first year of marriage and that's going really well? It's going great. Can't fault it at all. Uh, and Holly's keeping you in control, is she? She is, yeah. She is good. So we've got quite a lot to talk about this episode, mainly the school reunion, which is taking place on the 28th of May. So it's just a couple of weeks away now. And we're going to start booking any time from the 1st of April. So hopefully you'll have this before then and you can start booking. If you want to get in contact, it's info at svopa.co.uk or you can drop me a call on 07930 So, um, what should we talk about first then, Joe? How about we talk about um, the reunion first? Right, so, um, yeah, it's taking place on Saturday the 28th of May, and that's a bank holiday, so you get a chance to recover. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And um, we've not, unfortunately, got the Friday night, but if anyone's thinking of coming over to Liverpool or wants to on the Friday, you know, let us know, we may be able to find somewhere and... In like the last few years, we've had a, a really good evening. Last year's was yours and Holly's first reunion, wasn't it? It was our second reunion, but it was our first one of staying for the whole event. Ah, yes, you just came for the afternoon a couple of years ago, didn't you? So what, how did you find it You know, as your first sort of full event, and plus using Bradbury Fields for the evening as well? Oh, I th- it was amazing, you know, coming back to school. And I think one of the good things what we did was... Um, we did our own thing in the afternoon. Everyone, like as you as you say on the um, you know on the um, the day plan, we do a tour of the school. But everyone just did their own thing and just went round school. Like I went round with you and a couple of people, if I remember rightly. Yeah, we sort of had a look round and that's right. Yeah, some of the bits were back open again as well. Which oh was, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like the mobility mm-hmm. corridor and the music room that's have been right, shut yeah. for a few years and they were back open was, again yeah. this year. Yeah, we were pleasantly surprised with that. Yeah, and how did you find the evening as well? And Bradbury Fields, you can't fault it. It was just, it was just brilliant. I mean, I'd never actually, obviously, um, been to school for the evening, and I was really looking forward to um, Bradbury Fields. Though I can tell you that. But I, I had heard good um, things from the evening. You know, when you had the evening do at school. And were you a day or a boarder at school? I was a bit of both, really. Um, in my first year or so, I was um, a day pupil. Then they allowed me to stay Wednesday nights for swimming. And then I think when to do, towards the end of year seven, I was staying Thursday nights for football. And in my last couple of years, I stayed Wednesday and Thursdays. Right, so how did it feel staying back at school again? Well, it, it felt really strange because I was actually in the room that I shared with an, um, an old pupil back in the day, which just... To be honest, it just, you know, for that split second, as soon as you enter a room and you think, wow, I'm back in school again. It just didn't feel, it didn't feel any different only until I realised like the room was different. And one of the questions a lot of people always say is, shall I go back? Will I know anyone? 
you know, do I want to do it? For someone who's done been twice now for the full event and just for the afternoon a couple of years ago, what would your advice be? Even if there's no one there you know or there may only be one or two people you know, what would your advice be to anyone? I'd say come along because there's always going to be someone that you can talk to. You'll meet new friends. And, hey, you might even see a member of staff that you recognise. So what we'll do is we'll look at the plan for the day. I mean, this is subject to change, like yep. um, like anything. So we're going to start around half 11 for registration and then go down to the dining room for the buffet. Um, Bradbury Fields are putting the buffet on again. That was excellent last year, was wasn't brilliant, it? brilliant, that, yeah. And, and then about quarter past half one, we'll go and get the business side of things done. Um, okay. We'll have the AGM and we may do some recording of another podcast. Hopefully we'll get the podcast up and running again this year. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And then afterwards, tours of the school, we usually have someone who can do that for us. And um, But free time. We tend to keep the afternoon free. Yeah. So that you can do what you want. And some people just go for a walk up to the, um, is it the Bulldog they go to? Or... Oh, yeah, the Bulldog near the Triangle Shops, yeah. Yeah, you know, and just take time. And if it's a nice day, you've got all the, the track and you can just relax and enjoy the afternoon. That's right, yeah. And then we'll go over to Bradbury Fields roughly about 6.15 to 6.45 for a 7 o'clock sit-down. Yeah. And then we'll have the meal. And I'm going to hand over to Amanda anyway. Um, in fact, what we'll do is we'll hand over to Amanda now. We might as well while we're thinking about it. And then she can talk about what we're doing in the evening. Absolutely. Well, it's great to introduce Amanda Davidson from Bradbury Fields. So, hi, Amanda. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. You've just been on holiday, so you're just recovering, if I'm right. Oh, I am, yes. I'm still a bit jet-lagged, but I'm moving forward. Good. Well, we've got Amanda on to talk about the evening part of the SVOPA reunion on the 28th of May, which is taking place at Bradbury Fields. Last year was a really good event and we had really good turnout. I think we had about 55, 60 people there with fantastic food, great bar and just a really good event. And this year we're going to take it a step further. Before we go into what we're going to be doing in the evening, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about the Garden Suite? Because it may be something they may want to use for other functions as well. Yeah, that's fine. Um, well, I'm sorry I missed you all last year, but um, I'd had an operation the day before, so I, I couldn't join you, but I will be at this year's event, and I'm looking forward to it really quite a lot. Um, yeah, the Garden Suite um, at the Bradbury Centre is uh, part of our trading company, which is to help uh, the charity raise funds, to be honest, nowadays. As most of you know, it's harder and harder for us to, to get money. So within the garden suite, we've got different rooms. We've got the Iris Conservatory, which is the room in which um, those of you that came last year ate in, um, which is our large room, which opens out into our gardens. We've got a smaller conservatory, which is called the Bradbury Conservatory. Again, opens out into our gardens, but that's a little quieter. So if we've got a disco or a band, you can come and sit there and still hear, but not be too noisy and that's directly opposite the kennels bar and it's called the kennels bar because it's actually built where the kennels used to be in the original building um we've also got a bistro um and our catering kitchen which is why we're able to to do host these events now and we're starting to do get quite busy with um our own social events that we do but also uh communions uh we've had wedding anniversaries birthday parties all sorts of even fundraising events. So we're, we're there to do as much as we can 
Um, so if you're in the Liverpool area, you know, you feel free to pop along. And, or if you know anyone that's having a party or looking for a venue, you know, come along, see if it suits you and, and enjoy. We have got the garden as well, which if we've got nice weather and that's a fingers crossed is an added bonus. Right, so um, what we will do is we'll give you the details to contact Bradbury Fields later anyway. So we're just going to sort of, we're going to have a sit-down meal as part of the evening. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what we've got planned and maybe the menu, what people can choose from? Yeah, this year, I think um, a little bit different to last year. We're giving it a slight theme. I know some people are going now groaning, oh no, not a theme. But I think it'll give the evening something nice and it'll give us um, a bit of fun along the way. And we've gone with the 1980s and I do remember them. I was there very young, I have to say, but I was there. Um, So we've tried to pick foods as well, which are a little bit nostalgic, but and not exactly horrible. So for starters, we've got a French onion soup with um, a crouton, cheese crouton in it and uh, or breaded mushrooms, very 80s. And then for the main course, um, one of the things our chef does absolutely amazing is make pies. So we're going to have a chicken and mushroom pie and we're going to have um, gammon and parsley sauce, new potatoes and batten carrots. And if you're a vegetarian, then we've got um, a vegetable layer bake. So um, also, if you've got any other dietary requirements, you know, please feel free to, to give me a call and we'll do our very best to make sure that we can accommodate you. That's not a problem at all. And then there'll be the usual sweet trolley, which you'll have a choice of a few different um, sweets. I should imagine there'll probably be a cheesecake somewhere there as well. And uh, tea, coffee, mints and uh, a good time, I should think. It sounds good. I mean, last year was excellent and we've had a lot of comments of how good it was and people are definitely looking forward to going back to Bradbury Fields. And it, it breaks the evening off. It makes it just a... A nice sort of finish as well. So after that, we're going to hopefully get some entertainment. We're just in the process of sorting that out at the moment, aren't we? So yeah, and, and obviously the bar will be open for the rest of the evening and, and just time to socialise. And we may even do some karaoke. Are you going to get up, Amanda? Oh, only when that, it's time to clear the bar. Because <laughs> that's what will happen, I'm afraid. <laughs> Although my all-time favourite song is an 80s song. Which is? Oh, Heaven 17, Temptation. Right, so I'll have to make sure that's on the karaoke. And you'll be singing about quarter to 12 for last orders then, will you? Yeah, that'll be me. That sounds good. So um, is there anything else you want to mention about the evening or what we've got planned and things like that? Oh, hope, like you say, we're hopefully we'll have some entertainment. So you'll arrive on to, uh, up to the Bradbury Centre about 7 o'clock-ish and um, meet and greet and find out where you're sitting, settle down, have your food, and then we'll get some entertainment on and we'll have a bit of a party and make sure everyone's got plenty of time to chat and enjoy. Like I say, we've got plenty of spaces. If the, if it's a little bit nice evening, you can go and sit outside, you can go into the Bradbury Conservatory or you can get up and have a boogie. So if you want to wear 80s dress or anything like that, you know, do it. You know, We'll try and get some glow sticks as well just to lighten like you were saying earlier. Yeah, and I think um, leg warmers are optional. I think is the word, isn't it? That is probably about correct, yes. <laughs> right, Amanda, so if you want to know more about Bradbury Fields or even contact you if they've got food requirements for the reunion, if they've not gone through ourselves, what's the best way of people getting in touch and finding out more? Well, there's all the, there's all the usual, shall we say. So we'll start with the telephone number. 
It's 0151-221-0888. And you can go through reception um, and ask to speak to me. um, If I'm sometimes, most of the time, I'm difficult to catch hold of. So if you leave a message, they will will either, they will email me the message and and I will get back to you or they'll put you through to my voicemail and I will get back to you that way. Um, Secondly, you can email me direct. My email direct is adavidson at bradburyfields.org.uk um, if you forget that and suddenly think I can't remember if you go on to our website which is www.bradburyfields.org.uk you can email us from there and they come directly to me as well so you can message through Facebook um, or on Twitter and I get all of them so any way you like really I'm a I'm easy to catch hold of so one way or the other. So there's a plethora of ways of getting through to you then which is what you were going to say anyway so um, so thank you very much Amanda really great talking to you again and we look and we look forward to speaking to you on the 28th hope you enjoyed listening to amanda and telling us all about bradbury fields and about the plans for the evening and so don't forget coming your 80s gear if you want as we did say leg warmers are optional yep (laughs) and we'll leave back to school around midnight and we've got transport provided as well it was quite a nice atmosphere in the bus as well, wasn't it, last year? Yeah, it was. It was really good. I've got a video, actually, from us in the bus, and everyone was just getting on and having a laugh and having a joke. And then usually there's after hours, people sit around and have a chat when they get back to school, up to the wee hours as well. So um, what we're also thinking, because did you go on the bus last year? Um, on a Sunday? Yes. No, we, me and a couple of us went straight back to Lime Street. Right, well, we are hoping to get the minibus again this year. We've had that for the last few years, and it gives us a chance to maybe go in town or go somewhere as a group, usually up to about 15 people. Yeah. And there's a, it's usually a couple of pounds, three pounds for a ticket for that bus. And bargain, really. It is. It, it's a bargain, really. And it, like I say, it's, it costs you that in the taxi, so it, it makes just a nice end. And a couple of people were thinking of even doing the the city tour on the bus. I think it's about five or each. That's right, yeah. Uh, on the Sunday afternoon, if you're not too you know, hungover from the Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. There's always a few. There's always some. <laughs> and this year, Joe, I mean, like I said, for you, it'll be completely different anyway. So you'll be, you know, you'll be able to get involved and have more energy as well this year. So that'd be good. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to, I've got to remember to pack all my sun cream now. I'll be spending a fortune on that now. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, shall we hand over to the interview which we did of uh, with you? Yeah, absolutely. Right, so um, I'd like to introduce Joe again. It's great to welcome back Joe Robinson. So, hi, Joe. Hi, Michael. And Joe's had quite a few changes in his life since the last time we spoke to him, and some really good good news and um, some great things has happened to him. So, Joe, do you want to give us a, maybe start by telling us what's happened roughly in the last 12 months and then we'll do a bit of history and then talk about how your life has changed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the past five months, it's been such a big change in my life and it all started back in October when 
I got what we call the call, which any transplant patient is expecting throughout the life of their illness. So 5th of October, I received a call for a new kidney and rushed to Liverpool and got there within about two hours. Um, There's a lot of tests to be done before a transplant takes place and it means a lot of waiting around. So, for example, you've got to have a blood test to see if you're a good match with the kidney, which it turned out I was, but just a couple of little um, problems that the talked to me about and I was fine with in the end and then once they've done all the blood tests they've checked your heart and they've checked to see if you're fit enough for the operation you finally go ahead so the waiting time was from two o'clock we arrived at the hospital on the Monday and I finally went into surgery at 3am on Tuesday the 6th of October for a five hour operation to receive a new kidney and it's absolutely so far. It's absolutely changed my life. So, for people who haven't actually heard your story in the past, do you want to just give a quick, brief synopsis of your life before you um, you got the kidney operation? Yeah, absolutely. I was diagnosed with kidney failure in um, March two thousand and seven, and I imagine it come as a big shock because it's kidney disease is just one of these diseases which it often brings no symptoms. So this is basically what happened with me. I had no symptoms, went for a blood test one day because I was well, suffering with really bad headaches, which were always put down to migraines. So the doctor sent me for a blood test, and about four hours later, everyone was trying to get hold of me and saying I needed to go into hospital. So as, with, as you progress with kidney failure, you talk about dialysis, which is a treatment to remove the waste products from your body because of course your kidneys can't do it so I started dialysis about five months into um, kidney failure and I've been on dialysis for eight years now well up until the transplant but I'm sure some will remember me saying that in October 2011 I received the kidney and unfortunately it wasn't it wasn't to be as the kidney clotted so I lost it, unfortunately, and it's not the only call that I had. As, as a transplant patient, you will get a, maybe three or four calls before an actual organ matches to you. So, for example, I had one call where the kidney was too badly damaged. Another call, I developed a fever. My third call was the kidney that failed. Fourth call, I was told not to go into the hospital because it wasn't going ahead. And the fifth call was what happened last year. So just to um, go back to talking about the kidney failure, it, you know, it put, it put my life on hold basically because you, you're dialyzing for 12 hours a week and it, it's, it doesn't sound a lot, but the recovery time after dialysis is, you know, you, you can recover for a whole day. Like the next day you could just come, you could be completely out of it basically and often I was you know just lying on the bed because I was just suffering so much it's it's just the symptoms unfortunately so for the last eight years I relied on dialysis to stay alive and now this opportunity has come and 
I'm five months into the, um, this new kidney now. So obviously it's five months since the operation. I remember you, sort of hearing about when you were going in and, and yeah. messaging you and you were keeping up date and everything with That's right, yeah. with him. And um, obviously your kidney has got a name as well, hasn't it? He has, yeah, he's called Angus because he's named after my favourite um, guitarist called Angus Young from ACDC. Right, um, and apparently a lot of people like to give their kidneys a name. Is that some that sort of a tradition people do or is it just something you've sort of done? No, it's it's a, it's a tradition. Um, a lot of people I know who've had transplants have um, named their kidneys. Some of the names we've had is, I've heard someone calling the kidney Jeffrey. Um I've heard of Coco the kidney, and also the obvious one, Sydney the kidney. Yeah, and obviously the afterwards you had the op. It took quite a while for the kidney to sort of kick in, didn't it? And I know it was a bit touch and go for a while. And but after was it a few days or a week or so, when things started to started to work for you, if I remember rightly. Yeah, we it, it happens in all. I'd, I'd say not all. I should say actually, because some patients the kidney will go into the patient and it'll start working straight away. But in my situation, the um, kidney decided it didn't want to wake up straight away. So I had the operation on a Tuesday and I had um, two sessions of dialysis because the kidney wasn't working. So, of course, they had to filter waste out my body. So a major problem which um, arose from the transplants in 2011 was they found out I had a blood clot so the hospital decided that they were going to put me on some blood thinning drugs and I remember them although I was pretty much out of it from waking up from the operation but I remember them talking about a drug called heparin which thins your blood so they put me on this drug and it was I was on it for about a week a week and a half in total and by the Sunday, I um, I just no the Saturday it was sorry I was ble- I was bleeding really heavily, and we thought um, well I I don't know what I was thinking I don't remember but a lot of people were thinking oh you know this is not good he's bleeding too much the um, hospital were worried all my family was worried my wife and her family were worried and. In the end, I required a blood transfusion, which in itself obviously carries risks. And one of the biggest risks was because you have a blood transfusion, it, it basically gives you more white blood cells. Now, the danger of that is is the white blood cells will start attacking the kidney. So we were really worried about this, but I had the blood transfusion on the Sunday after being admitted, and I woke up the next day actually feeling better the blood the blood transfusion lasted eight hours and i received two units of blood about about two pints of blood and like i said i woke up the next day the kidney obviously still wasn't working but i just felt i felt a lot better and felt like i was on the mend so by the wednesday this is the second week now the kidney started to wake up and it was waking up very slowly i was still I was still touching go, but the hospital, they had me out of the bed and I was walking around the ward with them, the physio. And then at one point, they had me walking with me long cane to make sure that I could do it properly. And then the weekend comes, this this would be my final weekend in hospital and the kidney starts improving even more. 
And I think by the Monday, the kidney was working enough so they could let me go home. And it's just improved ever since Monday, the 19th of October. It's just improved ever since then. I still am on a restricted... I still have to restrict my potassium, which all kidney patients have to do. But the kidney, they've told me, could take a year for it to kick in completely. Right, so looking back on them five months and looking at you today, Joe, and and your life today, how much has that changed? And obviously... Um, for Holly, it would made a major difference as well, wouldn't it? Obviously, she's not helping you out in that sort of way, and it must give you both such a new life and be able to help you, obviously, in your in your marriage and everything like that to just enjoy life to the full. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're going to Cornwall in um, May. We're going for a week with um, Holly's family, and I, I honestly thought that well, the Cornwall trip was planned last year before the transplant, and. We were planning on having dialysis down in Cornwall, a, a local hospital there. But now the kidneys come along. I don't have to worry about dialysis, which which would have meant that my days after dialysis in Cornwall might, may have been restricted. So I would have had a great holiday, but I would have been restricted. So in the last five months, I can just feel myself just getting better and better. A lot of patients said to me that, you didn't realise how unwell you were until you had the transplants, and I've got to agree with them. You know, I'm, I feel, I just, I don't know how to describe the feeling. It's, it's just like the expressions you've been, you've had new life pumped into you. Well, it's, it's just like that. I just feel energised, and compared to before the transplants, you know, there wasn't a lot of things I wanted to do because I just felt so unwell. And in fact, if I remember rightly. One of Holly's family members said to me, you know, I was starting to look grey, you know, which is not a good colour to go. But everyone's saying to me, you know, I've got colour back into me cheeks and I just look great. And like I said, you know, I feel great. You know, I can do a lot more things now. And, you know, me and Holly have got a great marriage and we can only look forward to the future now of having of me having a new life and us going places now. Well, Joe, I, you know, thanks very much for coming back on and having a chat with us. And obviously, it's just such a great, you know, blessing really to be talking to you after your operation and seeing the difference in you. And you know, in these five months, and obviously the, in the next twelve months, it'll get even better, and you'll have yeah. even more life. Um, I mean, there may be people who are listening who who maybe know people or have connection with. Um, kidney failure or anything like that is there any advice or any organizations you think it might be worth getting in touch with or anything like that just if they want more information yeah there's there's quite a few organizations um two that i know of are the national kidney foundation which you can find them on facebook under the national kidney foundation obviously and one which um, i use quite a lot is the british kidney patients association again on facebook but they also have a web a website which I think is um, kidney.org.uk. But if you need any advice, you know they're the people to go to. It's run by both both charities are run by kidney patients for kidney patients basically. And like I said, the only the, the only advice I can give is if anyone's been in the situation that I've been in is. I waited eight years for a transplant and I thought it'd never come, but 
just out just out of the blue. It just it just happened. It'll come when you least expect it, and it really I really didn't expect it. Well, thanks, Joe, for, for doing the interview as well, giving people an update on yourself. And it's it's just so good to see that difference in you as well. So, um, you know, it's yeah. a blessing, really. Yeah, absolutely. I don't just, just while I've got you there, I don't know if um, people have heard the last interview with me. And, you know, I sound a lot bubbly in this interview. I, you know, I can remember the interview and I, did, I sounded, um, well, not as bubbly, let's say. No, I think that went out on VI Talk as well, didn't it? That's so, right, it did, yeah. And it was on one of the older podcasts as well. So, um, you know, do go back through to the podcast feed. It's at www.svopa.co.uk and you can access all the previous 36 podcasts. So we'll go back to the reunion, I think. And obviously, booking will start on the 1st of April, as we've said. And that's no joke. No. And um, do you want to give us the prices, Joe? Uh, the prices are as followed. It's sixty pound for the whole event, which, if I'm right, does that include bed and breakfast? It does. It Excellent. Does. And from experience, you'll need the breakfast the next day, according to some students. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, from the afternoon up until um, and Bradbury Fields is twenty seven pound fifty, and just for the afternoon, which is in which will include the um, lunchtime buffet, the AGM meeting and tours of the schools is ten pound. It is so, and we've also got your SVOPA membership as well, which course, yeah, five pound helps helps keep the organisation running, helps do the CD, and just obviously keeps things ticking over in the background. So obviously, we really appreciate everyone who does join, and you know, do bring friends along to the reunion as well. And the one thing I've always said is. Tell your friends from school because the best person to encourage someone to come is actually you, not the committee waffling on and saying, "Oh, come along." No, that's right. So like like Michael said, get in touch with your friends and bring them along. If anyone's not been to one of these reunions before, you, you're gonna love it. You are, and again with the meetups and things which we run on a regular basis every yeah. six, eight, ten weeks, something like that. Usually northwest, but we like to take them around. And there will be a little section on here where we look back on a couple of the events over the last 12 months and look forward to the next events. Um, so you know, listen out to that and, and do join us. And plus, the the meetups are a great way of no pressure. We just meet up, have a meal, have a chat. And if you're a bit nervous, definitely come up to a meetup. Yeah, absolutely. The meetups are a great icebreaker. Like I said, there'll be people there who you may not know, but you'll certainly make new friends. You will, and some of these friends are lifelong friends. You get to know them. Yeah, you know, and and plus you'll catch up with friends you knew at school. You will indeed. Hi everyone, it's Joe. Michael asked me if I'd like to do a quick catch up for the CD newsletter, and I was really pleased to do this. For those of you who don't know me, I attended St. Vincent's from September 83 to July 87. I just went through the senior school. Previously, I was membership secretary of SVOPA for a few years. 
And I also did the podcast with Michael for a couple of years as well, which I really enjoyed, but lots of other commitments meant that I had to let something go and uh, concentrate on other things. In personal news, I've got my first ever paid job, so I am proof, if proof were needed, that it's never too late and uh, to keep trying. I'm absolutely chuffed to bits with this. I'm a part-time assistive technology coordinator at the Clifton Hotel, which is one of the Vision Hotels here in Timmouth. And I'm working for Action for Blind People as part of their Online Today project. So basically my role is to help visually impaired guests or people in the local area to get online for whatever reason, maybe social media, emails, etc. But also to help them choose the right piece of kit for them. So I have a drawer full of kit at the hotel, which is wonderful, um, so that I can demo technology to clients and help them choose the best thing for them. So I'm absolutely thrilled to bits. It's brilliant to be working at the hotel because it's a place that I'm very familiar with. I also volunteer there along with my husband, Rob. So it's um, a really great place to be. It's like a family, really. So that's great. Um, I'm coming up to my first year qualified with my third guide dog, Bruno, who's the golden retriever. Um, yeah, we qualified on the 1st of April, April Fool's Day, which is slightly funny, I guess, because we have had our ups and downs, but we're getting there now, which is great. He's a good boy and he's laid here at my feet as we speak. In other news, Michael asked me to update you all on VI Talk. Some of you will remember that this was a project that Michael and I launched just over two years ago, and it's grown immensely. Um, Michael stepped away from the project due to other commitments last year, and I've taken it on, and with a great deal of hard work in the background, I have managed to get us charity status. We are now a registered CIO, which is a charitable incorporated organisation, which is fantastic news because it will enable us to attempt to get funding for VI Talk, to be able to do things like updating the website to make it much more user-friendly, and lots of other things going into the future. The trustees of VI Talk are myself, Ian Beverly, who attended St. Vincent's as well, and our friend Tracy Wilson, who didn't attend St. Vincent's, but she is visually impaired and she is an eye clinic liaison officer as well. So lots of interesting things going on with VI Talk. The Facebook group has over a thousand members now. Um, if you would like to get involved with VI Talk, all the contact details are email info at vitalk.co.uk and that will come straight to me. You can leave me a voicemail message on 01612988255. You can search for VI Talk on Facebook, just search for VI Talk. On Twitter, we're at VI Talk Podcast. The website is www.vitalk.co.uk. We're also on Audio Boom, which is an audio platform where all our interviews and audio blogs go. And we're also available on the Sonata Player, iBlink Radio, iTunes, and I think that's it. If I've missed anything, I apologise. So come along and join us if you'd like to. It's a support, online support group, I guess, for visually impaired people, their friends, family, and anybody with connections to visual impairment. So on the Facebook group, for example, there are um, people from charities, groups, organisations. So lots of help there 
and lots of support going on and lots of sharing of ideas and information. Well, that's it from me, really. They're the, my main bits of news. I don't want to keep you too long because I know the CD newsletter is always jam-packed with great information and great articles. So I hope you're all enjoying the events that Michael and the team are organising. And um, unfortunately, I won't be able to attend the main school reunion this year, but I hope those of you that go have a wonderful time. And I will hopefully catch up with you soon. But in the meantime, take care and have fun. Bye for now. Right, we're going to move on to some of the upcoming events and talk a little bit about a couple of events that have been taking place recently. So, um, hi Lauren, you okay? Hi Michael, yeah, I'm good, are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay. And um, we've had a couple of events recently. We had Liverpool in November, but we're going to talk a little bit about the last two events we've had, which have been Windermere and Chester. So I'll let you talk about them. Windermere, there was about 13 people that went, and that was from the 22nd of January to the 25th of January. It was a very good weekend, the staff were very helpful, and everyone seemed to enjoy themselves, which, you know, is always great to hear when we have great feedback. And the hotel was good as well, wasn't it? I mean, we've been to a few Vision hotels, and it was more like a mainstream hotel than some of the others. It was, it was. I mean, I've went to Windermere Manor many years ago and it's still as good now as it was then. And we also had a boat trip on the Saturday which was good all getting out together and we had a bit of entertainment on one night as well. So um it was it was a good weekend and we are looking at going back there sometime early next year, two thousand and seventeen. We're just waiting for some prices. So keep your ears open for that. And we had a meet up just a couple of weeks ago as well in Chester. The Chester meet up which was on the fifth of March which was a Roman success. We had about 20 to 25 people going. Uh, everyone, again, seemed to enjoy themselves. And I think Chester might become a more regular venue. It's easy to get to from Manchester and Liverpool, and some of the guys from Wales came along as well. So it was, um, it was a good venue, and better this time than last time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was really fun because we got a different room. Yeah, we sort of had a, a room just to ourselves uh, with just a few other people in there. So I um, want to thank everyone who has actually attended the um, the meetups and everything recently. Um, but the next meetup is planned for the beginning of May. Which is Manchester at the Paramount, which is our usual venue for Manchester. And we're going to start about 12 o'clock and go to the last person leaves. It's literally across the road from Oxford Station. Well, it's nearly across the road anyway. And, and again, if anybody needs any assistance, just like me or Michael, now I will be there to meet you. We will. So that's just in a few weeks. It's a good pre-reunion meetup, so it gives you a chance. If you're thinking, should I go? Do I want to go and get involved? You know, come along. There's no pressure. We'll just sit and have a meal and have a good chat for a few hours. And if you want to go into Manchester and do some shopping, you can as well. Oh yeah, it'll be really good to see you and really good to see everyone for the reunion on the 28th of May. So just looking forward, we've got no other firm dates in place yet, but there will be a few more meetups um, around the country, so just keep an eye open. If you want to hold one yourself, or you want us to publicise something, especially an area we can't get to, it'd be good to do something down in London or something like that. 
and we are looking as well as Windermere for next year. We're thinking of going back to the Lauriston in around November and if we can get a good price from them. So again, just keep your ears peeled and we'll let you know and hopefully at the reunion we'll have some dates and prices sorted. Looking forward to seeing you as many many of you as there is. Right, so thank you very much, Lauren. It's been Thank you um, very much. great helping us, and it's really great with all the help you've done for the events and keeping keeping the running over the last couple of years. Thank you. Every year, we all get to get sacked um, as a committee at the reunion, and we do want people to get involved. And if they feel they've got the skills, they want to get involved in the committee because it's your first year on the committee, isn't it, Joe? It is, yeah. I must say, I've had a good year. Yeah, and um, yeah, part of the, the role is obviously the main reunion. That's the biggest job, really, yeah. just getting it all together. But with Bradbury Fields in the evening, it's a lot easier than it used to be. And then organising the the meetups throughout the year and just keeping things ticking. So there's nine roles available. There's the chairman, which I've currently got. There is the sort of vice chair stroke member secretary, which is Lauren's position at the moment. Mm-hmm. Got, we've currently got Colin as the treasurer and and Jane, who is the secretary. All obviously these jobs are up for grabs. And then mm-hmm. we have five ordinary members as well who um, keep us all in check. So if you'd like to stand for the committee, um, do you want to tell everyone what we've got to do? Yeah, basically all you have to do is you just write a short profile about yourself and you say why you think you'd be good for the committee and what you can do to improve the committee. And also a little bit about yourself, maybe when you left school and how you thought school was. Yeah, so nice and simple. Don't make it too long, because no. if it is, we'll send it you back and say, please reduce it. Yeah. Um, and what we do is we get them read out on the day. So even if you can't make the reunion for any reason, it doesn't mean you can't be involved in the committee. No. Uh, so it's it's read out fairly, isn't it? So that no is. one who is a really good reader or somebody who's not very good at reading out, you know, everyone gets the same le- level playing field. That's right. So like, like we said, if you want to join the committee, all you have to do, write a little short profile about yourself and good luck. <laughs> yep. And just email that into info yep. at svopa.co.uk. Yeah, so you do need to get your, your profiles in a week before, so they need to be in by the 21st of May. Even if you don't want to stand for the committee, we always need volunteers on the day um, to help out, just pointing people in the right direction, and especially... Uh, it's one of them, isn't it? As a, a school for the blind, we do need some people who've got a bit of sight yeah. who can help with that as well. So if you, you feel you can help or with any events or even ideas. So, you know, do get involved. And obviously we want more people to get involved if we can get the podcast up and running as well. Again, so if you've got anything you want to say, catch up with us, drop an email, speak to us on the day. And, um, you know, we look forward to seeing you all there. We do indeed. It's with great pleasure that I, I get to introduce um, Jenny Armstrong again, I've, one of my teachers from when I was a, a young lad. And um, so it's great to have you on the CD. Hi, Jenny. Hello, Mike. Hi. And I know a lot of people will remember Jenny from, from the time at school because Jenny's been there quite a long time. But what, 39 years. 
39 years, far too many. (laughs) Would you like to tell us a little bit about your time at school? And then obviously you've retired and we'll talk a little bit about what you've done in the last 12 months. Yeah, okay. Um, I started at St. Vincent's in um, 1976 and I worked on the care staff for three years and some people know me as Miss Jenny from the care staff Um, and I was the librarian and then I moved into the primary to teach and I spent most of my time in the primary uh, but I did move into secondary teaching geography uh, taken over from Mr Byron um, taught geography for about 12 years or so and um, I was teacher and then I was um, deputy head, assistant head, uh, special needs coordinator, lots of different titles within school and I retired in July last year so six months not 12 months yet. Right so what have you done since you retired? I can imagine even though you were so busy before you're still just as busy now with things you're up to. Oh yeah, I've done um, lots. Uh, well, I do. I always do lots of travelling. Anyway, I've just come back from Cuba. Had a great time in Cuba, which is an interesting place. I um, I do go into school occasionally to um, maybe take some assemblies or um, just visit visit people, um, particularly about Nepal, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, I've also been out doing lots of eating with my friends. I'm one of those lady that lunches. (laughs) You can't beat going out. And obviously it gives you more chance to catch up with with people as well because obviously you won't be as busy or tied down to the market and the work side of things now, will you? That's right. The best thing about being retired from a school is that I didn't realise there was actually lots going on outside St Vincent's. (laughs) And um, it's been great because I get to do things in the week instead of just at the weekend. So it it is great. So before we move on to talk about the school and Nepal, have you got some memories you'd like to share from your time? (laughs) I've got an awful lot. Uh, I don't know which ones to pick out, really. Um, When I was on the care staff... um, I used to work weekends and I used to look after um, some of the pupils who didn't go home for the weekend and we used to have uh, trips out over the weekend. Myself and Mr Connolly, who sadly passed away recently, um, and we used to take everybody out in the minibus and uh, or I would take people out in my Volkswagen Beetle, which I know you'll remember, Mike. My very old Volkswagen Beetle. I do remember that, yeah. and you've still got a Beetle now, haven't you? I've, I haven't now. No, I would like one. <laughs> oh, there we are. You'll have to get one. Yeah, um, and one day I took a group of girls out um, one Sunday to Nosley Safari Park in my Beetle, and what happened was that we um, were going through the lion enclosure. And my car stopped, broke down, stalled. And when that happens, you're supposed to sound your horn only because it was so old. The horn wasn't working. So that's probably one of the scariest moments as a young lion ran towards the car and started uh, jumping at the tyres. Fortunately, the car did start again. So those girls got away without being eaten by a lion. (laughs) Uh, so that stays in my mind because that's not just a St Vincent's memory that's probably one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me (laughs) Um, 
and teaching. There's so many memories, but um, I did love it when I took over geography. Before I took over from Ian Byron, we used to go on field trips um, down to Exeter and to Malham, which I know lots of people have, have been on. And then when I took over, I started field trips to Mohontleth um, in Wales, and we did quite a few trips there as well. So I did enjoy doing those. Just thinking back as well, obviously you've been there through quite a few heads. So yes. when quite a few of the heads, quite a few of us won't even know. I mean, do you want to just mention a little bit about the different heads who've been yeah. there? When I, well, yeah, when I started it was uh, Sister Claire, who then became Sister Kathleen, who sadly has passed away as well. Um, following that, there was Sister Josephine, and her um, deputy for a while was Sister Frances, who people will know. And um, I've got a little bit of news about Sister Frances. She still comes into school uh, twice a week to teach Braille to individuals. And I believe she's just had her Diamond Jubilee as a daughter of charity this week. So she's been 60 years a daughter of charity. Wow. Yeah. Um, so after Sister Josephine, um, there was uh, Tony Macquarie. He was the next head teacher. And then there was um, Steve Roberts. And then the last one who took over from Steve Roberts is our head at the moment, our principal at the moment, Dr. John Patterson, who is a whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> that is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're all very different heads, all with different ways of working. And I enjoyed working with all of them. You have to say that, though, don't you? So, no, it's probably it will be true anyway. <laughs> It is true, actually, yeah, <laughs> it is. We had our ups and downs, all of us, but yeah, it is true. No, I mean, at the end of the day, it's you know, it's, it's a great place. I still love going back um, when I can and just being part of that, the atmosphere. And it's, you know, obviously the school has changed so much over the years. I mean, there's a couple of things that stand out about how the school maybe have, has changed or things what maybe used to happen, what don't happen, or things what now happen, what what didn't and yeah. sort of the change in education things over the, the 39 years? There's been an awful lot. Um, lots of, I think three lots of national curriculum came in while I was teaching. Um, the biggest change at school, of course, was when they stopped um, being open over the weekend and everybody went home at the end of the week, which is great for everybody. So that was a massive change. Um, but um, much of it has carried on as an you know just as any school does with the te teaching in the same way and the youth club and the residential all the same as it was only more modern obviously <laughs> keeping up with the times and then just recently under John Patterson there's been um, a lot of projects he's very much into project-based learning so there are lots of um, different people in and out of school doing big projects not just small ones within the classroom which we've always done but uh, some very big projects. Um, physically, the, the building is much, it's the same building, but the use of the building has changed. And I know anyone who's been on a tour at one of the reunions knows about the different uh, uses for all the different rooms. Um, so that's the biggest change, I think, is that the school is smaller because we don't use as much of it as we used to. One of the things that I noticed as well at Christmas, which would have will definitely come to a shop and people come at the reunion, and is the fact that in the first time in years, the main corridor, especially the dining room corridor, has been painted blue. Yes, it has. Yeah. yeah how dare they? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
Yeah. Um, well, that was a shock to people uh, quite a few years ago now when it was actually carpeted. Yeah. Yes, because that was 2009 or between 2008 and nine. because the first reunion I went to, it still had the old flooring yeah. in the main corridor and then when yeah. it was carpeted, it was so quiet. Yes, it, it did make... The mobility department had something to say about it, I can assure you. <laughs> I can imagine, but at the end of the day, people have to learn mobility on carpet as well as tiles, so it's all part yeah. of the education, isn't it? Yeah, it's all all okay now, yeah. Well, just quickly going back as well, when we're talking about Sister Francis. If you yeah. do look through some of the old podcasts, we do actually have an interview of her as well. And she talks about her life as a daughter of charity and the work she does in the school. So, and I love the fact that she taught Braille when she was there and she yeah. comes back and she's still teaching Braille to, to yeah. people today. It was just great to be able to give back as well as obviously the yeah. things she's received from the school. Yeah. So, yeah, she's had a very interesting life going out to Africa as well, yes. <clears throat> so one of the things we would like to talk about as well is some of the some of the things what have been going on recently at the school and some of the things Dr. Patterson's been involved with, which obviously with the children. And do you want to talk a little bit about that for us? Um yes. Obviously all this news is also available on the on the school website. Um, com, and also on their Twitter account that gives uh, up-to-date news on anything that's happening. Um, and of course, I'm not at school all the time, so I've just pieced this together from things that I've seen happening and heard from just recently from going into school. Um, the big projects that um, Dr. Patterson's got on the go are... Um, a group of pupils went uh, to Ypres in um, Belgium, France. They travelled there by coach with um, Blind Veterans UK. Um, and they went and laid a wreath at a memorial in Ypres. So that was part of the First World War celebrations and Remembrance Day. So that was a big trip that we took. Um, the pupils are also busy making products for their enterprise day every summer we have a big enterprise day and over the year the pupils make products which are sold sometimes uh, we're allowed to go into sainsbury's and have a stand in sainsbury's and sell things there and we sell them on enterprise day so people are already starting work on different items to sell in the summer and um, sports wise there's a lot going on Mr Swanston, the PE teacher, has got us playing boccia at um, national level. Um, we've got climbing going on and we have Rianne Ratu, who's still um, a British uh, champion climber. Um, so that's a great thing for one of the pupils. Um, Mr Swanston has developed a running line, which the children are in the process of helping him with. So there are lots of, lots of sports activities, sports days, access days going on at weekends. I know the, the running line that was available and be demonstrated at a couple of events I've been to recently, the yeah. the music festival last year, and then yeah. also at the RNIB forum, which we put on at the school. And yeah. if you, yeah, I can say to people, if you ever get a chance to even to experience that as a, even at the prototype stage, and obviously it's been worked on, developed all the time, it's an amazing, liberating experience to be able to run with a blindfold on and, mm -hmm. and feel safe. And, yeah. and it's... It was a real 
I suppose wrong word, but an eye opener when I I tried it, and I said to a few people, wear a blindfold, give it a go, and just be able to sort of run freely. It's just, it was quite an amazing experience. Yeah, I'm glad you've had a go, and you can say that. Yeah, um, there are there are a lot of sports things going on, and you know, Mr. Swanson, I'll have to forgive me if I've missed something out. Um. They, he's just got back actually with some of the pupils from the annual trip to Calvert Trust for their adventure week. So they got back last week from that. And apparently they all had a great time up in the Lake District. Um, school is also on a project where they're collecting two litre pla- empty two litre plastic bottles, you know, like those big Coke bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, they need 6,000 of those. Uh, they're building a greenhouse. So... Um, that's part of the eco-friendly uh, projects that we do, um, along with the solar panels that school was collecting for. I was just um, thinking about that as well. Are they still doing the, the solar schools project? I mean, can people still get involved in that and sponsor honest, panels? I'm, I'm not quite sure, and you'd have to ask Dr. Patterson what, what's happened with that. I'm not quite sure. Right. Um, but certainly, if anyone lives near school and fancies collecting in a bin bag lots of empty plastic two-litre bottles, you can drop them off at the front. You don't have to come into school. They can just be dropped off in the doorway. And they're trying to get 6,000. So we've got lots of organisations trying to collect them for us. I'm sure they can do that. Yeah, so that's going to be great when they finally build this greenhouse, which apparently they're going to be able... It's going to be big enough for people to sit inside. So, yes. Um... The biggest thing, I think if Dr. Patterson um, had enough time to talk to you, this this is the thing he would probably tell you, is that on April the 20th, um, the school is being granted the freedom of the city of Liverpool, which is a big honour. And there's a ceremony at the town hall. But um, John has managed to get the whole of the town hall for the whole, for the school to use for the whole of the day. So there's going to be lots of activities showcasing everything that goes on at school in the town hall that day. And one of the things he wants to launch is his Million Eyes project. Million Eyes, E-Y-E-S, um, where he's hoping to get hoping to get money, a million pounds, I think, to develop a site box, uh, which is going to be a box of um, items that can be used around the world at places where they don't have as much access to VI friendly equipment. So I'm not quite sure what form it will take, but that's the new project, Million Eyes. But the freedom of the city, um, he is very proud that St Vincent's are getting that. I know it's a, an amazing accolade really for the school and, and the work he's done. And obviously this project, we'll hopefully hear more about it on, on future podcasts, future CDs and, and how that's going and how you can get involved as well. Yes. Yeah. When when he's got a minute after the freedom of the city, he might have a minute to explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's, that's all I've got for the moment. Um, obviously, there's lots ongoing every day in the classrooms and lots of trips out and activities going on but they're the big ones that i can think of i've probably missed something else and i apologize if i have it's not a problem but like you said you know do check out the um, the St. vin website and also the twitter feed there's lots go on there and you know if there's more information you need just email the school as well they'll always be happy to to provide more information of, of what's going on or you know let us know when we can try and find out and maybe feature some things in the future as well so 
one of the big projects you've been involved in is sort of working with the school and another school, if I'm correct, somewhere else around the world? That's right. That's the Nepal project. Um, six years ago, um, when Steve Roberts was still the principal, um, we were visited by someone called Chris Hughes, who's become a great friend of the school. And he um, does voluntary work with the Paha Trust Nepal. And on one of his trips out to Nepal, they, they actually go and build schools in Nepal. But on one of his trips out to Nepal, he came across a school for the blind, residential school for the blind, um, very similar to St. Vincent's. And when he got back, he came and asked, were we interested in getting involved in linking with that school? And so um, I was given that task, which um, I've really loved doing and still love doing. And we have a link school called Pawanchangai and Chakshu. And it is in Nepal and it is a school similar to our own. Um, we've been linking with emails and letters and cards and gifts and an exchange of all sorts of things. So it's great for all of us. And you've been over there, if I remember correctly. Well, I was supposed to. Myself and Bernie Buckle were due to go to Nepal in May. And two weeks before we were due to go, we were booked up. The, uh, that massive earthquake happened, which you'll remember was a, the biggest earthquake they've ever had. Um, so our trip was cancelled. Since the earthquake, um, there's been some political unrest. And then there was uh, things going on here, so we couldn't go. And unfortunately, the money we had, the grant that we got to go, has um, had to be returned because we haven't been able to use it within the time schedule. But hopefully we will eventually get out there. Right, well, let's hope you, you do get out there quite soon. Would yeah. you be able to sort of talk to us a little bit about sort of education and school, maybe equipment and how a school in, in Nepal would vary from obviously a mainstream or our school in yes. Liverpool. Yeah, the school out in Nepal has um, about 120 pupils, which is what St Vincent's had when I first started. Um, but the children there, they come from all over Nepal um, because most children who are visually impaired are just hidden away, to be honest, in the villages up in the mountains. And um, they're very lucky if they get a chance to come to the school and they will stay there all year. They'll just go back home once a year. So that's a big difference because the whole of their life really is spent at the school. Um, they have uh, lessons, as you can imagine. Uh, they, they learn English. They do their braille with writing with frames, which was the old way of doing it way back in the 60s, I, you know, for, for St. Vincent's. They've got a few brailers, but not as many as they would like. Um, we have sent a brailer over from school. We donated a brailer to them. Um, so all the um, correspondence we get from the children there is done on a frame on a, with a dotter. So that's very different. Um, they have uh, mobility lessons. So we have sent some mobility equipment out to them um, but what we were what we were really hoping for was once we'd gone out we could see what their needs were and then also bring one or two of their teachers back to St Vincent's to learn um, some of the ways we do things. Their head teacher Mrs Thapper has been to visit us and the children at St Vincent's do know Mrs Thapper um, and hopefully we'll get to see her again one day. I guess you know 
when you can get over there and having having her over to the school, you can obviously mm-hmm. see properly what the needs are and obviously it's so different as well, even mobility and things yeah. and like you said, you're not yeah. gonna have access to a braille, but I can imagine they're pretty quick even with the, the frame and the daughters and I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, they have to do exams, very strict exams, much more strict than anything we do here. Very strict exams every year. And the pupils are supported by pupils from the nearby mainstream school uh, to do their exams. So they they act as readers for them. Um, Yeah, the not not quite sure how what the opportunities are for the children who finish school. whether they have to just go back to their villages or whether they can get some sort of um, jobs. And that's one of the things we wanted to go and look at. We wanted to go and look at their residential as well and see if there was anything we could share on residential as well as on the teaching side. Yeah, because I suppose like a lot of that, it's that daily living skills, which Mm. will put them in good stead for the rest of their life, which if you can help them with that and, and maybe say what the potential is. Yeah. And they can strive and, and reach higher yeah. and, and go for that as well. Yeah. It's just, um, it's very hard to imagine. I mean, things as basic as soap are not, not available there. So one of the things we were going to take out were little packs for each child of soap and a flannel and things, you know, things like that. So we had those already, toothbrushes and things. But at the moment, they're still all packed up waiting till we go. <laughs> However, we have got, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Chris Hughes from Paha Trust and the CEO of Paha Trust, Howard Green, um, do go out there quite often and take things for us. And Howard is actually going out next week. And the pupils of St. Vincent's have raised £400 for our Link School. So he's taking £200 out cash as a gift from us this time because we can't get out there with any equipment. Like I said earlier, let's hope you uh, and Bernie or whoever needs to be able to get over can get over yeah. and pass on your expertise. Just yeah. linking as well to, I think would be quite a good link because um, we were talking about what some of the children in Nepal could achieve and maybe what would happen afterwards, which obviously you're not sure about. But I know a lot of the students, the children now from school, they sort of leaving school with a lot more sort of maybe opportunities for for work and for things like that. Do you want to just cover a little bit of sort of the opportunities which are now being made available and sort of the, the work side of things for, for the older ones which are sort of coming into place? Um, I have to say I'm not bang up to date on that, but um, I know some of them are still going out to colleges, but Quite a few of them are going to local colleges now and moving on. I did meet one pupil the other day. He's just uh, got his degree and he's doing a master's degree um, in um, media, I think it was. I mean, a couple of things as well, which have sort of started in the last year or two at school. Um, I suppose within the school is the scouts group. So um I know when I was at school, we had the Cubs with, with Bernie Buckle. Uh, yep. I think I was a second and a sixer at one point, and, or whatever it was. And we went and did a, we, an overnight camp in, in Bernie's back garden, which was great. <laughs> but obviously things have changed. And we've got the Scouts, which like I said, have been open, is it about 18 months, two years now? About two years, yeah. And um, she must have dug out her old Cubs outfit because the leader of the Scouts is Bernie Buckle. <laughs> <laughs> Dib, yeah. dib, dib. Yeah, um, yeah. Bernie's uh, Bernie helps to run the scouts, but we do actually have pro- um, sc- 
scout leaders from uh, troops, is that what they're called? Troops outside, they come in as well. And some of their troops come in and, and work with um, our troop, <laughs> if that's what they're called. But yes, the scouts goes every week and they, I think they're still doing a bit of camping and things, yes. Right, and obviously it's it's good now. It's a lot more open with the other other troops as well, or whatever we're going to call them. Um, yeah. You know, getting again, it's that mixture of mainstream and and specialists yeah. coming together and and being one, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, it might be nice if you can get hold of Bernie and she'll talk about you know everything on the residential side because she is head of care, so she could talk all about that and about and tell you about um, the scouts as well. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can um, we can find some time to get hold of Bernie as well, and we'll yeah. we'll do that because I know I'd like to hear her story as well. So um, yeah. if you're yeah. listening, Bernie, <laughs> <laughs> and she's been there nearly as long as me. Yeah, are you one of the? Sh- I don't, I'm a bit scared to ask this. Are you one of the longest serving staff? Yes, I will be caught up soon by um, Nora Warburton, Bernie Buckle, and uh, Angela Simpson. They're going to catch up with me soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and Mrs. Elson, yeah, Julie Elson. That's it. There's so many who have been there for years, so that's um, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. can't be that bad of a place to work then. No, it's uh, not. And, <laughs> and especially the past pupils want to come back, and I'd like to believe that the past pupil St. Vincent's one is probably the most thriving past pupil association for any of the sort of specialist schools and colleges. Yeah. So, all right, yeah. I'm biased, but that's what we think. <laughs> And I know there's one thing which Dr. Patterson is really proud of, and obviously other staff as well, is the the Rotary Club. Yes, just briefly, um, he managed to get us as a um, designated as a Rotary Club. We're called the Rotary Club of St. Vincent's, and we're um, attached to West Derby Rotary Club. And for those of you who don't know, Rotary is a worldwide organisation who... um, fundraise for all sorts of fantastic projects the biggest project they've done is to get rid of polio around the world by paying for injections for all the children around the world and there are only two countries now with polio which is afghanistan and pakistan and otherwise it's been eradicated around the world with the help of rotary club so to be part of this worldwide organization i know he's very pleased about that and um they're supporting us and helping us and myself and Chris Hughes from Par Hard Trust are doing a talk on Nepal to the Rotary Club uh, in the next month. Yes. So they're, they're very much involved with school and we're, but we're actually running, we're running our own Rotary and Dr. Patterson wants it to be the youngest Rotary Club. So we've got a lot of young staff members who are part of it. Right, so again, there are quite a few fundraising events and a few things have taken place and will be taking place at school. So do check out the website because they do advertise them on there and a lot of them are open to to anyone to go as well, aren't they? Yes, they are, yeah. Yeah, just keep an eye out on the um, on the Twitter, really. That's the main one that where the up-to-date news comes out. Well, I really want to thank you that we've been able to sit down and do some talking again and catch up on what you've been doing over the last 12 months and what what's happening at school, uh, all the exciting projects. And as we, we look forward to the future and hopefully this time next year we'll get a similar um, taste of school snapshot again. And it's yeah. just so exciting that our school's still doing so well when so many aren't there anymore. It, yes, it, it is very exciting, and um, yeah, get you'll need to get someone who's there all the time next time. Mm. So uh, I'll have a word with Bernie for you. <laughs> oh, 
fantastic. So thank you very much, Sanjay. It's been an absolute and pleasure talking to you again. to everybody who's listening. Right, well, um, that comes to the end of episode 37 of the SVLPA podcast, stroke CD newsletter for spring 2016. Hope to see you all at the reunion this year and the next meetups. And um, all it needs us to say is really how to get in contact with us. So you can get in touch via email at info at svlpa.co.uk. My mobile number is... 07930444656. Just feel free to drop me a call, a text, or anything like that. And you can catch us on Facebook. Just search SVLPA. There's the page with the news and there's the group with all the content and the chat and everything on there. Uh, you can see us on Twitter. And all the podcasts are on the website at www.svlpa.co.uk. So I want to say thank you to everyone who has taken part in the podcast this time. And thanks very much, Joe. That's no problem, Michael. I look forward to the reunion. Yeah, and it'd be good to catch up with you. And hopefully we'll see you at the, the next meetup in May, which is just uh, going to be in Manchester. So like I said, you'll have heard that information earlier. So we hope to catch you there at the Paramount at the beginning of May. Absolutely. Right, so until next time, it's bye from me. And bye from me.